from Walt Disney Home Video. I'm gonna miss you so much. Left behind with family friends. Have a nice vacation! And far from their home. Three beloved pets take matters into their own paws. He's Shadow. Something doesn't smell right. She's sassy. Cats rule and dogs drool. He's Chaz. Get a life, get nine of them. <laughs> now, they're determined to find their way back. I'm going home. Wait! They're off on an adventure they'll never forget. Oh, this ground isn't nearly soft enough. Don't be such a sissy, sassy. It's an untamed world full of surprises. What's that smell? Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! I never thought anything could smell too much. P.U. Where nothing comes easy. Hey, hey, Scram, get your own fish. Careful, Pop. Help! And danger waits at every turn. I gotta tell you, domesticated animals wouldn't stand a chance at you. Where the forces of nature will test their ability to survive. What? It will be an incredible journey home. Hey guys, wait up. Come on! Home is just over that mountain. Critics agree. Two thumbs up, say Siskel and Ebert. A masterpiece of family entertainment, says ABC TV. In the classic tradition of Walt Disney Entertainment comes Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Coming this fall on video cassette. There are many journeys we take in life. Tons. Sometimes they go well, sometimes they don't. Yeah, less so. And sometimes you realize that maybe the journey is the friends you made on the journey itself. Yeah, fuck you, Harry Kim. I would rather have gotten home from the Delta Quadrant really quick. <laughs> this is the story of Homeward Bound. This is Toys R Us. All of my best friends are toys. Oh boy, all of my best friends are toys. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, all of my best friends are toys. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Hello. Hi. And thank you once again for joining us on an incredible journey through oh. the history of a piece of your childhood that made you weep or laugh. Or in this uh, case... Probably both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Richard Hunt, and with me as always is my cousin and co-host, Brian Muth. Hey, everybody. Brian. Yes, sir. This week, in a continuation of another piece of media that aims to pull at the heartstrings... Uh-oh. We take a look into the journey that three lovable animals took... Homeward Bound. Indeed. That being said, are you ready to start our journey? You bet. Perfect. Let's go. We start our story in Scotland. Ooh. On May 11th, 1918. Okay, that's quite a bit ago. Or 1916, okay, because there's, varying there's multiple biographies about a woman that was born in one of these years. <laughs> Sheila Philip Cochrane. Seriously, there was I, I read like six or seven different biography yeah. pages, both of which either were 1916 or 1918. <laughs> there was no like 1917. It right, was just no, one or just the other. 16 or 18. They're just like, yeah, I guess one of these fucking years. Yeah. Sheila had a very interesting life. She was educated in boarding schools throughout England and Europe, including a year in Germany during Hitler taking power. Ooh. Yeah. She attended St. George's School, Edinburgh, and Harrogate Ladies College. And she was one of the first women in Scotland to receive her aviation certificate. That's baller. During the Second World War, she worked as an ambulance attendant and driver. Hell yes. It's all, it's like, ooh. That's like a special kind of fucking yeah. thing, man. It's like she saw, she was like, 
I knew this asshole was going to be trouble. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> man, this motherfucker. Fuck okay, fuck this guy. Painter my ass. <laughs> yeah. Really puts the pain in painter. Zing. In 1941, she married Dr. David Burnford, with whom she had three children. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> I got these kids, man. <laughs> and in 1951, her new family immigrated to Canada. Settling in Port Arthur, Ontario. Once her children were at school, she settled into writing. And in 1960, she released her first novel, The Incredible Journey. The book was dedicated to their children. Okay? Mm -hmm. And these are so fucking French-Canadian names, okay? Oh, really? Well, Ontario isn't French Canada. Hmm. Just so Canadian, then? It is Canadian, but I'm telling you, these are fucking French-ass names. Okay? Yeah. What'd you got? Perinel. Yeah. Juliet. Uh-huh. And Jean Quill. Oh, damn, hold up! That's a French-ass name! Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's French yeah. as shit. Yeah, it is. Might not have been French-Canadian. <laughs> fucking French-Canadian. It's definitely French as fuck. Jean Quill. <laughs> Jean Quill and Jean it. Like, okay, what? You're like, oh, 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 Perinel. You're like, it's like, are you, are you, are you speaking Klingon? <laughs> Fuck. Basically, dude. Take it down the notch. Oh man, the book uses this famous quote by Walt Whitman as its theme. I think I could turn and live with animals. They are so placid and self-contained. They do not sweat and whine about their condition. They do not lie awake in the dark and weep for their sins. They do not make me sick discussing their duty to God. No one is dissatisfied. No one is demented with the mania of owning things, etc., etc. Okay. Holy shit. Yeah. That is like, that's pretty fucking profound. Walt Whitman. All right, buddy. Yeah, dude. Whitman sampler. (laughs) (laughs) It's just fucking nihilistic quotes. (laughs) But this isn't chocolate at all. (laughs) Oh, the nihilist sampler. Oh, man. So good. It's like everything tastes like nothing. Wow, Everything tastes like nothing. That's deep. <laughs> That's fucking deep. It also sounds like a fucking album title. It really Everything does. Everything tastes like nothing. Nihilist Chocolates. <laughs> That's the band. That's the band, Nihilist Chocolates. Oh, man. That's fucking Everything good. is nothing. <laughs> God. Uh, Hashtag story- fuck Hitler. At your boot time, you know? <laughs> God. The, the fact that there's people that, like... Are Holocaust deniers, dude? There are very few things that make me just like filled with just, rage. Oh my god! Like, like I, I don't know how anybody could possibly deny that. The scene from Clue, flames, <laughs> flames. <laughs> that's, that's how you feel about it when you're like, "What the fuck?" Like, oh. You're a whole ass adult person who, who literally doesn't believe that that happened. There's, uh, and you know, it's it's a special kind of people that. You know, the conspiracy theorists and the Holocaust deniers and whatnot. It's like, why? I mean... Yeah, the modern day equivalent is like... Boggles my mind. Uh, Sandy Hook shooting didn't happen. They're crisis actors. Yeah, okay, Alex Jones. Yeah, turn the frickin' frogs gay! <laughs> You're like, shut the, the fuck gay frogs. up, dude. What are you, what are you, like, dude? What are you even fucking talking about? I'd like to fight Alex Jones. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like he would kick. Yeah. Yeah. He also seems like he would legitimately have pocket sand. Yeah. 
Like he definitely would be. Uh, he'd be Dale Gribble. Uh, yeah. Packing. Yeah. Like I wouldn't mind. I'd like the two people I'd like to fight most. Mm-hmm. Well, well, let's go for a top three. Okay. Uh, we got Glenn Beck. Yep. And Ugh. yeah, Glenn Beck, Alex Jones, mm-hmm. and uh, Senator Mitch McConnell. Oh, I know God. he's like older than like they all the fucking. Guy, they all but. are like when you were little playing with Mr. Potato Head and you just formed weird faces. Yeah. Yeah. That's all they are. Yeah. Mitch McConnell looks like Gollum Roger Ebert in like the last two years of his life. <laughs> just waxy but no, but no, but no jaw condition. That's just how yeah. he fucking looks. Yeah. You're like, who? It's like, what the fuck happened to your face, dude? I guess when you're that fucking evil, it's like the game <laughs> Fable. And you just start fucking growing horns and shit. And your body starts changing. You're like, oh, yeah. That guy's a fucking asshole. Or like how, like, the dark side energy fucked up Palpatine's face in Star Wars? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then all he's that playing victim. He's yeah. playing victim. No one's going to kill me. I'm too weak. <laughs> fucking. Help me, Anakin. I'm a virgin. <laughs> no. God. Tangent! Hey, you know, back to form. Yeah, the your boys is back. <laughs> Guess who just got back today? I love that Thin Lizzy. <laughs> I love that Thin Lizzy is fronted by an African Irishman, African American, African Irishman, black Irishman. So fucking good. That dude. is so fucking cool. And like when you tell people that don't know that, they're like, "What?" Like it blew my mind when I found that out. Yeah, it's fucking I'm awesome, like, dude. You're pulling my leg. He's not brought up enough. No, it's true. He's not at all. Yeah, he's slept on. The story's potential was first spotted by a young literary agent called Claire Smith, who went on to represent the likes of Richard Adams, Judy Bloom, and James Harriet. Wow, so this lady knew her shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The book only sold modestly on release, but crucially, Smith managed to sell the rights to Disney. Ooh. Who made a highly successful film version in 1963 that was very faithful to the book? There were no talking animals in that version, no. only a narration by cowboy actor Rex Allen, who had voiced many of Disney's nature documentaries. I'm glad you didn't say fucking John Wayne because I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> I know. He's a racist fuck. He's a big time racist. Seriously, fuck. look up uh, John Wayne's quote about yeah, yeah white supremacy. Man. Fucking asshole, man. What a fucking jerk ass. <laughs> Well, that's just how it was back then. Yeah, no. That doesn't that, make that's it a fucking excuse you from being a fucking shit. Guess what, bro? Elvis was a pedophile. Yeah. That's just how it was back Jerry then. Jerry Lewis, too. No, bro. That's it's just a pedophile is a pedophile. Yeah. And fucking dude from fucking what? Led Zeppelin? Uh-huh. Yeah. I can't think yeah. of the dude's name. Why can't I think of dude's name? I'm drawing a blank. Anyways. Yeah. I like 13-year-old girls in their dressing room and shit. They're like... It's like, dude, that's problematic. No matter what fucking year and, it is. And, that, and, and that's the thing. It's like, back then, the mothers were like, yes, please. Yeah, and it's like, take my daughter, please. <laughs> Fuck my daughter, please. <laughs> I would like that quite a bit. I'm going to live vicariously through yeah, my 13-year-old daughter. Exactly. Like, what is wrong with you, Janice? Yeah, it's like, it's the whole thing with, like, uh, like fucking pageants. Yeah. You know, like, like, little kid beauty pageants. That is, like... 99% like creepifying and gross. Yeah. The other 1% is like a margin for error, but that also is filled up with creepifying and gross. Yeah. So it's fucking weird. And built into that. Stop it. Is the brother that killed John Bonet? <laughs> Bing! 
Bingo! Because he for sure. Oh, for sure killed her. Don't add us. Yeah, don't. I mean, because you know we're right. We're not a true crime podcast. Nope. But it doesn't take a true crime podcast to see that yeah, doesn't the brother take definitely fucking oh, killed her. For sure. Like, 100%. Yeah, and the parents the have been coming up there. for him like the yeah. last 25 years. Yeah. I mean, you even watch interviews of him now as a grown adult, and you're like, He's like, this guy is fucked in the head. You're just like, you hear the fucking Dexter theme song? <laughs> boom, 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 boom. You're like, ah. ah. Okay. <laughs> the setup for The Incredible Journey is the most complicated part of the story. Yeah, usually that's... When the owners depart movies. for nine months, academically in England... They leave their three animals, a young retriever called... Now... Lucius. <laughs> you know what, dude? Not too fucking far off. Really? I don't know how to pronounce this without sounding like Mike Tyson trying to say Lewis. It's L-U-A-T-H. Lewis. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know. I love Mike Tyson. Lewis. Oh, Lewis. Uh, definitely his family would would be devastated with the, the loss of their father. He would definitely make Lewis. orphans out of his children. God damn it, man. <laughs> uh, an old terrier called Bodger and a Siamese cat called Tao. That's racist. <laughs> I know. You know. Um... They get left behind with a friend, who in turn, thanks to a faulty telephone line, goes off on a hunting trip, believing he has left them in the care of his housekeeper. Oh, no. The lonely animals decide to track all the way back to the family home, many miles away. They're like, fuck this, peace out. Yeah. The housekeeper then misreads the fragments of a charred note and believes the friend has taken them off hunting, and therefore no one raises an alarm. But it's like, you'd have to be pretty fucking stupid to think... Oh, yeah, he's bringing that cat on that hunting trip. Yeah, because, like, I mean, sure, cats are, you know... Big cats are hunters. Big cats are hunters. What is a little cat going to do? I mean, sure, it'll take down a bird, maybe a squirrel. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like... Like, I read on the internet once, sometimes somebody said, uh, the reason why cats are assholes is because, like, they're God's perfect killing machines, but they're only, like, eight pounds and we keep kissing them. Yeah. (laughs) And rubbing their fucking bellies and they're like, Stop! (laughs) It's like, I like it. Wait a minute. No! Knives out! <laughs> I like this for half a second and then fuck off. <laughs> like, okay. The animals have to cover roughly 300 miles of Canada's wilderness. That's a lot of fucking wilderness. That is like, oh, god damn. That's something that I as a human wouldn't want to do. No. Like, just fucking ship me in a box because I'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be dead? Uh, which Burnford, writing in the 1950s, was describing in the last day of its untamed splendor. Uh-huh. Sure, there are a few miners and loggers about, but as she says at one point, humans are mere grains of sand on an ocean shore when measured against the vast reaches of nature. Fuck. It's true, though. But you can tell she fucking liked Walt Whitman. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you can definitely see the influence. Yeah. Huh. Uh. She says, for the most part, there is a silence and solitude and an uninterrupted way of life for the wild animals that abound there. Moose and deer, brown and black bears, lynx and fox, beaver, muskrat, and otter, fishers, mink, and marten. 
the wild duck rests there in the Canada Goose, for this is the fringe of the central migratory flyway. The clear tree-fringed lakes and rivers are filled with speckled trout and steelheads, pike and pickerel and whitefish. Dude, right. Canadian geese are dicks. All geese are dicks. Yeah, it's probably true. Hashtag all geese are dicks. <laughs> ACAD. <laughs> Just put a fucking goose in a fucking cop hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a all Venn diagram. Yeah. God. Oh, that's that's our next idea for an animated series. <laughs> fucking series. Ghost or geese cops. The fucking Venn diagram is like where they meet in the middle. Yeah. Attack people that don't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> Annoy you. And have a way of fucking <laughs> Black up your and day. white. <laughs> yeah. Basically, dude. God. That's fucking funny. Mm. Uh, they face many obstacles in their path, from rivers to irritable people, but nonetheless, they struggle bravely on until they finally reach home. But none of this would mean a thing without the skill that Burnford brings to the narrative. Here, for instance, in an early passage where the travelers feel tired and out of sync with their strange new environment, it is a passage for lovers of the semicolon, because she fucking loved her semicolon. Oh, yeah. Liberal usage of... I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you every time there's a semicolon. In the nearby hills, a timber wolf howled mournfully, semicolon. <laughs> Owls called and answered and glided silently by with great outspread wings, semicolon. That's two. And there were faint whispers of movement and small rustling noises all around throughout the night. Once an eerie wail like a baby's crying woke the old dog and brought him shivering and whining to his feet, semicolon. Another small night hunter slipping through the unquiet shadows that froze to the stillness at his passing. The young dog slept in fitful, uneasy starts, his muscles twitching, constantly lifting his head and growling softly. Sounds like Rigby. Yeah. <laughs> Once, he sprang to his feet with a full-throated roar, which brought a sudden splash in the distance, then silence. And who knows what else, unknown, unseen, or unheard, passed through this mind to disturb him further. Only one thing was clear and certain, semicolon. <laughs> That at all costs, he was going home. Home to his beloved master. He's like, I don't give a fuck, I'm getting out of here. He's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Home lay to the west, his instinct told him, semicolon. But he could not leave the other two, so somehow he must take them with him, all the way. As is evident from this and any other number of passages, The Incredible Journey is a book made to be read out loud. En route, the travelers encounter cruelty, indifference, and kindness in a series of encounters with other animals, um, a life-and-death battle between the cat and the lynx, a rolling mm. fight with a family of bears is particularly memorable, as is the perilous river crossing that almost kills the cat and temporarily separates him from his friends. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> as for humans, not all the encounters with other humans are positive, yet at crucial points along the way, the animals do accept assistance or an are faced more than once with the temptation of giving up and being adopted by new owners. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, fuck oh, this. God damn it, dude, I'm fucking tired. I just want to sit by a fire, have a bowl of kibble, and call it a day. <laughs> exactly. The little girl who rescues the cat from drowning has to face up to a painful rejection in this scene. <sighs> when she woke, later in the night, aware of a lost warmth, she saw him crouched at the open window, looking out over the pale fields and the tall dark trees below. His long, sinuous tail thrashed to and fro as he measured the distance to the ground, 
Even as her hand moved out impulsively towards him, he sprang, landing softly with a thud. She looked down and saw his head turn for the first time to her voice. His eyes like glowing rubies as they caught the moonlight, then turned away. And with sudden desolation, she knew that he had no further need of her. Through a blur of tears, she watched him go, stealing like a wraith in the night towards the river that had brought him. Soon the swiftly, soon the swiftly running form was lost among the shadows. What? Damn, that's dark. <laughs> Fucking sad, dude. Yeah. Oof. In the wake of the enormous success of the incredible journey, Burnford could have retired to some gated community in Florida, but instead she made her own forays into the natural wilderness and cultural unknown. A crack shot with a pilot's license, Burnford was not your typical 1950s homemaker. In the late 1960s, she and the artist Susan Adrena Ross published a quasi-anthropological work called Without Reserve, about the time they had spent living among the Ojibwe and Cree Indian communities of the remote northern Canada. Um, chapter 4 of The Incredible Journey puts the animals in contact with the Ojibwe encampment, and the Indians treat them as good omens sent from the spirit world. Oh. Which I would, too. If you were, like, yeah. living in the middle of fucking nowhere and you see two domesticated dogs <laughs> and a domesticated <laughs> cat, you're like, you know what? This is a good sign. This this is all right. In the early 1970s, these two intrepid women in their mid-40s went off together again and lived for nearly two years among the Inuit of Pond Inlet at the top of Baffin Island. Dude, that's baller. Right? Seriously. But also, at the same time, it's like these white girls that go to, like, not well-off countries. Yeah. They're like, Look at me. Yeah. They're like... But at least these two had, like... A reason. They're, yeah. they're like genuinely curious yeah. and they're writing their experiences. Yeah, it's not, they're not doing it for the Instagrams. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, their experiences are recounted in Burnford's 1972 book, One Woman's Arctic. Along her, alongside her accounts of long journeys by dog sled and out of the beauties and terrors of the northern wilderness, Burnford writes compassionately and somewhat idealistically. This was the early 70s, after um, all. Yeah. You know, like, this is before people were, like, heavily fucking jaded. Yeah. Uh, about Inuit values, and she describes an indigenous lifestyle that was right on the edge of drastic and irrevocable change. Game for anything, she seems willing to eat whatever is on the end of her fork, as this charming passage demonstrates. I never became addicted to seal meat. Which is just a sentence I never thought I'd no. say in my life, let alone right? read. Yeah. I never became addicted to seal meat, though the liver was delicious. Ooh. And entirely agree with Kane's description of it. When raw, the meat has a flabby look, more like coagulated blood than muscle fibula, muscular mm. fiber. I, know, I fucking hate the word coagulated. Yeah, it's not a good word. It's not. Uh, it's like just, the M word I will not yeah, say to spare you. Thank you, I appreciate <laughs> it. You're very welcome. Um... Cooking it gives it a dark suit color. It has a flavor of lamp oil. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, that's just an interesting description. Yeah. It's just like how you could tell somebody like, oh, this tastes like Windex. Yeah. Even though you've never fucking tasted Windex, you know? You're like, you know enough of the because of the smell. Yeah. And it's like Yeah. Yeah. Uh the blubber was unexpectedly good. 
of a delightful melting-in-the-mouth type. Almost non-existent texture, and with no more taste than a mineral oil. A sensation more than a taste. Ugh. That, that <laughs> makes me queasy just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, ugh. God. That, that's, a, that's a pass for me. Yeah, it's gonna be like, it'd be like chewing on, like, a Nerf Frisbee. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> yeah, this is just something. Muktuk, the narwhal skin, was good from the first taste. A sensation of hazelnuts and a taste for it grew and grew. Huh. <laughs> An arctic char is fit for the gods, whether raw or cooked. Although I couldn't bring myself to try that tasty of all parts, apparently the eyes, which the Eskimos suck out with gusto. Muktuk was... Muktuk to me was not unlike horse, which I had eaten plenty of times in my youth in France, though possibly a bit richer. Vive la France! It's like... Hey, you know what? Big ups to fucking France for decriminalizing blasphemy. That is fucking baller. Yeah. 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 Vive la fucking France, man! One of my favorite fucking Nick Cage quotes. (laughs) (laughs) There's just like a fucking like four minute video of Nick Cage freakouts. Yeah. Vive la fucking France, man! What a guy. Shout out to fucking Cage's Kiss. Yeah. The only Nicholas podcast Nicholas Cage podcast that you need to listen to. I tell you what, they did uh on Cinemassacre, they did last month the Cage match where yeah. they'd pit two uh Nicholas Cage movies against each other. Just mm-hmm. just magnificent. So good, dude. Ah oh. They they are some uh, the boys over at Cinemassacre are some of my favorite content creators oh. ever. Yes. Like yeah. One day there will be a crossover. I hope so. That would be awesome. Um, eating and the hunt that precedes it form quite a large part of the backdrop backdrop action in The Incredible Journey, too. The trio of animals became heavily reliant on the hunting skills of Tao the cat. Kitty! Despite all the famous sentimentality of the final scene, Burford is quite unsentimental about the survival of the fittest ethic that these soft, domesticated creatures must follow in order to stay alive. Baby soft. <laughs> <laughs> You sounded like fucking what's his name? Bob Hoskins. That's what you sounded like when you said baby soft. You know, that's actually funny because I was doing an impression of my big black friend Dana. <laughs> there you go. Well, he sounds like Bob Hoskins, so tell him. Huh. In case you're listening, Dana, you sound like Bob Hoskins. <laughs> Bob Hoskins. Shout out to Dana. There you go. Um, yet Burnford, for all her practical turn of mind, never quite seems to have resolved this issue. Vegetarians may be may be able to do so. Yet most other people simply pat their pets pat their pets and conveniently forget how and where how and from where their food arrives on their plate. Up in Pond Inlet, Burnford found herself confronted with disturbing with a disturbing example of what survival of the fittest ethic can involve. As she relates the incident of one woman's Arctic, while out on a walk from base camp one day, she encounters an old stray husky desperate and starving. Oh no. To stop the, p- stop the dog from becoming a pest and a scavenger, her friend John shoots it. While she accepts the harsh logic, what haunts her is that the dog had wagged its tail at her beforehand. Mm. Yeah, you just ruined my day. <laughs> so I reasoned in accepting the execution, yet this husky who had wagged his tail so uneasily before us just now was a dog who had lived and worked in the cruelest possible elements his entire life, straining his, ho- his heart out in a harness goaded by the whiplash or staked out to a cha- 
to a short chain in the non-working ones, to fight and to pant with the thirst of his team, his only reward the hunk of seal or fish flung down once or twice a week, his only anticipation that of running in the traces again. In spite of all this, in his extremity, he had sought out man again, and heavens know how far or how long the search had been on this uninhabited island, and shown by the only means in his power that he was ready to do the whole thing over again. He, But we had no use for him. He dragged himself back a few yards at another threat, then, when once again there was no movement from outside the hut, he regained the ground. John came out with a rifle and lay down and took aim. The dog wagged his tail again. There was a crack and he fell. There was no movement. Only the stiff, injured leg slowly down to the what, slowly down to the heather. He had known nothing. He was all right now. But I was not all right. Not at peace. I had known something. And, I, and what I knew, I did not like or understand. The whole human race of which I was a part. You're like, fuck. Fuck. Yeah. They old yellered him. They really did. But like... Like, I get it. I yeah, do. Because a, a dog with a fucked up leg in, like, normal conditions yeah. Yeah. sucks. Yeah. Imagine being in the fucking Arctic. Yeah. You know? Like, it's just like when you're when you're sick and you have to go outside now, you're like, yeah. fucking shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> That's, <basically laughs> That's what they did, though. It's fucked up. Um, that same indomitable spirit that had driven Bodger, Lewis, and Tao <laughs> homewards had been visible to her in the husky. Sometimes humans do not seem worthy of the bond that animals feel with us. And it's because of that bond that. that not one, but three different Incredible Journeys uh, movies have been made. In 1963, while Disney Studios released the theatrical adaption that was extremely faithful to the book, um, the film was mostly praised for its nature scenes and Rex Allen's narration. However, the human scenes, including the climactic ending, met with mixed to negative reception for disrupting the mood of the film. It ended up making $4.2 million. That's not bad for, not you know, bad. 63? Money. Yeah, not yeah. bad. Fast forward exactly 30 years later, and Boom. you get this week's topic, Homeward Bound. It, it greatly differs from the plot of Incredible Journey. Yeah, it completely anthropomorphizes the, yeah. uh, the characters. Chance, voiced by Michael J. Fox, an, ima- an immature and disobedient American bulldog and the narrator of the film, explains that he is the pet of Jamie Burnford. You know, because na- they named the family after of Sheila. Course. Yeah. Um, but expresses no interest in his owner or being part of a family. He shares his home with Shadow voiced by Don Amici, a wise old golden retriever owned by Jamie's brother, Peter, and Sassy, voiced by Sally Field, a smart-mouthed Himalayan cat owned by Jamie and Pete's sister, Hope. That morning, the children's mother, Laura Burnford, which is Kim Greist, marries Bob Seaver, Robert Hayes, and Chance manages to cause chaos by digging into the wedding cake in front of all the guests. <laughs> that sounds like something Rigby would do. So, like, you know, they don't know any better, goddammit. Like, yeah, they, they just, just want some cake. fucking cake, yo. <laughs> Let them eat cake. Let them eat cake. Shortly after the wedding, family has to move to San Francisco because Bob must temporarily, temporarily relocate there for his job. It's hard to imagine it was the guy from Airplane. 
<laughs> I, know. I know. You know, the guy from Airplane playing like the straight man. That's funny, dude. Yeah. That's very funny. Um, no, I've been nervous lots of times. <laughs> what a fucking movie, man. I know. You know? It's, it's one of those unbelievable, like, lightning in a bottle classic movies. Yeah. 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 I remember, like, I, the first time I watched it, I had just bought it on a DVD. Yeah. Because when I lived in Georgia, there was this place called Movie Stop. Okay. Which was owned by GameStop, but it was fucking amazing. Like, they yeah. didn't have the same ethic or anything. So, like, huh. you could go in there with $20 yeah. and leave with, like, 17 movies. Holy shit. Yeah, so I would go all the fucking time and just buy shit that I hadn't seen before just yeah. because it was so fucking cheap. And and that's what I that's when I saw Airplane for the first time. Nice. And I'm like, this is fucking amazing. And the very first time I saw it, I was, like, seven, eight years old. Dad sits me down and he's like, son, we're going to watch a movie. And it is really funny. You're like, I'm like, oh. okay, okay, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I turn into Bobby Hill for a split second. Yeah, okay, Dad, Dad. But yeah, I mean, it's like God. The first time I saw that, I was just dying. It's like the first time you watch a Mel Brooks movie. Yeah, you know. Yeah, which like depending if- on who you are and what age you are. Yeah. Like, for me, it was Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah. And then I went backwards because I was yeah, young. Yeah, the same here. But I'm like, oh, my God. See, when, it was Spaceballs. When fucking Carrie always got the script and he's like, I don't, I can't lose. Wait a minute. <laughs> let me see the script. It's like, huh. You're like, oh, this motherfucker like, was on some other shit. Yes, man. he gets another shot. <laughs> Which makes me think of the status I made the other day about, uh... Al Pacino just morphing into Richard Lewis. <laughs> I have a mole? <laughs> and fucking uh, Patrick Stewart's in it, yeah. too, you know? Dave Chappelle's first acting yeah. role. That's when he was David yeah, Chappelle. Yeah, David Chappelle. That's like Jim Carrey was James Carrey yeah. on Living Color. And like Lawrence Fishburne was Larry yeah. Fishburne in Boys in the Hood. God, man. Cowboy Curtis. Ass. Cowboy Curtis. There's a t-shirt somebody made with Cowboy Curtis, and underneath it says Lil Nas X. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, dude. Oh, man, I want that shirt. That's so fucking I good. I gotta dude. have that shirt. So good, man. Oh. Man. So, when they relocate, they leave the pets at a ranch belonging to Kate, Laura's college friend. Shadow and Sassy start missing their owners immediately, but Chance sees it as an opportunity to explore and have some fun. Later in the week, Kate goes on a cattle drive, leaving the animals to be looked at um, by her neighbor. What the hell Frank. college did she go to? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Going on a cattle She go to Texas A&M? <laughs> there you go. Shout out to my friend Ashley that went to Texas A&M and never shuts the fuck up about it. Shout out to Lisa. She always, I'm like, bro, dude, all right, I get it. Yeah, hook them horns, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Uh, What about a Texas A&W Rupert float? (laughs) Boom. Uh, We went to a barbecue place the other night that had, it it was like overpriced. Yeah. Because it was in the city. Mm. But there was uh, Texas style chili that had brisket in it. Ooh. Oh man, that was fucking good. Ooh. It had like some spiciness to it too. Yeah. Like, See, I plan on so smoking a brisket this year in the grill. Yeah. It's a good year, man. Yeah. It's going to be a good fucking year. It is. Fuck yeah. You know what? Like Jean Luc Picard says, make it so. There you go. 
Captain Jean-Luc Picard, the USS Enterprise. <laughs> I, I want to do a whole entire fucking episode about YTMND. <laughs> oh, man. Hell yes. I, I will be down for that. There's a, there's a YouTube... Like, a YouTuber I really fucking like called Wang. He's... He's... Said he's not doing podcasts right now because he used to go on a bunch. Yeah. But that... He does a lot of, like, internet videos. Yeah. Like, he did one on Rotten.com and oh. Two Girls, One Cup. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would, so I would love to have him on for one of these type of episodes. Of Dude, like that would be awesome. Things. Yeah. That's what sucks... If you're ever considering having a podcast, it's it's literally like tattoos or Pringles because once you have one, you can't. You're just it. like, I need to have seventy five of these. <laughs> but people are like, what about what about time? How how do you have time for all this? That's what drugs are for. I never sleep. <laughs> you're like, hooray for being an insomniac. Literally sleep like maybe four hours a night. <laughs> I know it's terrible, isn't it? It's really. I wonder if it's genetic bad. with us. It has to be right. I mean, seriously. And then when I do sleep, it's just Nightmare City. Yeah? Fucking A. Big time Nightmare City. Like, horrific, like, things that would make Clive Barker say, whoa! Whoa! Take it down a notch. <laughs> the first, here's the thing about Clive Barker. The first Clive Barker interview I heard was in this movie called... What the fuck was it called? I think it was called Behind the Mask. Okay. And it was, like, about, like you know, horror throughout the ages. Yeah. And he must have been sick or something during that interview yeah. because he sounded like uh, Elmer Fudd. <laughs> He's like, I'm Clive Barker. But he doesn't fucking sound like that. <laughs> so, like, when I saw a normal interview with him, I'm like, oh, he must have been fucked up or something. Because yeah. I, I went for like years just thinking that that's how Clive Barker yeah. talks. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Then I saw another one. He's normal. I'm like, yeah. oh. You couldn't have been like, hey, maybe I'll come back tomorrow and record Yeah, that. right? Like, seriously, it's I'm like... Clive Barker. Maybe stick your head in a fucking, uh, one of those hot mist vaporizer yes. dealies. Oh, dude. Ugh. Just the season. Dude, those things are just one of the greatest things. I mean, it ruined the fuck out of the finish on my nightstand. Oh, yeah. But, man, I got so much better so much quicker with that thing. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yes. Fucking yeah. ginger ale and Vicks Vaporub. Oh, yeah. Ginger ale, Vicks Vaporub, and the, that fucking hot mist humidifier. And the fucking price is right. Yep. That's all you need. <laughs> the the homesick special. Yeah. <laughs> fucking um, chicken, tomato soup. Chicken noodle soup yeah. or tomato soup. Yeah. And fucking just a shitload of crackers. Yep. That's all you need. Um, so they leave them with a neighbor, Frank. However, half of the, her message, or half of her message to him is lost, leading him to believe that she has taken them along, leaving the animals alone. Uh oh. Worried by the disappearance of their host, the animals fear that they have been abandoned. Shadow, refusing to believe that this his boy would abandon him, resolves to make his way back home. Not wanting to be left alone on the ranch, Chance and Sassy decide to accompany Shadow on his journey. I like fuck it, Yolo. Yeah. That's really... Unless you're a cat. Yeah. Y'all nine. <laughs> Y'all nine. Uh, oh, hi! <laughs> oh, hi! <laughs> uh, they head into the rocky, mountainous wilderness of the Sierra Nevada, with Shadow leading by instinct. Yeah, wasn't there a porn star named Sierra Nevada? 
I think so. <laughs> God. At least the stripper. Yeah, for sure. Sierra Nevada! Um, after a night spent in fear of the woodland noises, the group stops to catch breakfast at a river. However, two black bear cubs bother Chance, and a, and a large brown bear causes the group to flee. At another river, Sassy refuses to swim across to follow the dogs, and instead tries via a wooden path further downstream. God damn it, Sally Field. I know. <laughs> Stewie. Good luck trying to get some of that hot, hot Sally Field action. <laughs> Halfway across the wooden plank, the wood breaks and she falls into the river. Shadow tries to save her, but she goes over a waterfall to her apparent death. This is just like Disney's like, like, oh, this is going to be a great fucking fun family, family movie. Yeah. Fucking ha- Halfway dies. through it, man, you're fucking, here come the waterworks. Why? Uh, unknown like to they them. They really like me. Oh, yeah. They really like me. Shadow tries to save her, but, you know, she goes to her apparent death. Yeah. And devastated, Shadow and Chance go out without her. Unknown to them, Sassy survives and is later found on the riverbank by an old man, Quentin, who nurses her back to health. Over the next two days, Shadow and Chance try unsuccessfully to catch food and encounter a mountain lion, which chases chases them to the edge of a cliff. Shadow gets an idea to use a balanced rock shaped like a seesaw as a way to thwart the mountain lion. While Shadow acts as bait, Chance pounces on the end of the rock and sends the mountain lion over a cliff and into a river. I'm imagining in my head the the goofy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now here's the generational difference, because I imagine in my head, this bitch empty, yeet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yep, definitely. Sassy hears the dogs barking in celebration and follows the sound to rejoin them. The animals continue on their way, but Chance tries to befriend a porcupine, ending up with a load of quills in his muzzle. Yeah, that's never a good idea. No, but it's one of those scenes that is, like, so fucking memorable, it's yeah. just important to your fucking brain. Yeah. Which, if you do want to watch Homeward Bound, it's on Disney+. Plus. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Guess I know what I'm doing. Yeah. It's just one of those movies that you're like, man. Like, there's certain movies that, like, are on USA that you're like, you know what? I'll watch this. Yeah. Like, they play Joe Dirt a lot on yeah. USA. You're like, I'm not going to turn it off. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, like BBC America. They're, they're either always playing reruns of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. Uh, now they're doing uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh. Which is awesome because DS9 doesn't get nearly enough love. So I was watching it the other day. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You don't have to do this. You have it on Netflix. You don't have to fuck with these commercials. Yeah. Fuck's the matter with you? <laughs> Uh, Go put in your pizza rolls, fire up the that's, Xbox. That's fucking it, dude. Do you know the new Battlestar Galactica is going to take place in the same universe, but be a reboot at the same time? Oh, okay, uh, as the the most recent like reboot in the same universe as that? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. So, uh, like, I don't know shit about it, but a lot of people are, like, very confused as to why they're doing it. I'm not confused about it. I can tell you exactly why. Mm -hmm. Because, like, in the first season, there was a lot of, like, um, 
uh, what's the word? Pseudo religiosity, mysticism. Mm. Uh, there are these beings called the Lords of Cobol, kind of like uh, like the Greek pantheon. Okay. okay. So uh, they have like you know holy scriptures. All right. And one of the the biggest things was like you know uh, one of the biggest writings in the scriptures is all of this has happened before and all of this will happen oh, again. Okay. See, so, so that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's like I watched this wet culture video last night where they talked about movies that set up their sequels so subtly. Yeah. So that unless you knew about it. Yeah. And you didn't know. I love wet culture. Me too, I fucking man. love those guys, dude. They're fuck. It's good to see them growing as much as they yeah. have. Yeah. That's like outside Xbox and outside extra. Yes. Like, I love those guys too. Beautiful. And it's like, I, mm, man, so good. So much quality. It, and that's the thing, dude. People don't understand how good YouTube is. Yeah? Like, like they really don't. 90% of my time? Yeah, it's, it's YouTube. YouTube. Like, they actually, uh, what culture is starting another channel hmm. called Trek Culture. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, wouldn't it be nice to write for these guys? Hell yes. Like, you think about, I could be that guy. If you think about YouTube in this way, it makes a lot of sense. It's basically the modern library of Alexandria. Yes. Right? Yes, it is the entirety of human knowledge. Yeah. There's, in there's one literally, repository. Case in point, for my side podcast. Yeah. I knew without even fucking looking it up beforehand that there had to be a video that someone uploaded of the news report of Keith Whitley dying. Yeah. And sure as fuck, there it was. Almost always. Because it's like Rule 34. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, if it exists, there's a YouTube video yeah. of it. Like, uh, there's this uh, short-lived cop show mm-hmm. uh, from the late 90s called High Incident. It was on ABC. Okay. Now, it only lasted for two seasons, but I got the idea the other day. It's like, man, that was an awesome show. I wonder if they had the intro to that show. Not only do they have one intro, but they have every single intro that they ever had, which adds up to about four different nice. intros. I'm like, holy shit, somebody... Like, this little note, like, you, you say the word cop show and, like, high incident. Nobody knows what the yeah, fuck you're talking yeah. about. They're like, hi, what? But, yeah, they sure as shit, man. They got four versions of the fucking opening theme on that. That's that's the thing, too. Because the world is so connected now via the internet. No interest you have is too niche. That's true. Yeah, there's... Case in point is, like, Reddit. There. Yeah. You can think you can think of anything, and yeah. there's a fucking subreddit for it. You're Absolutely! Like, wow, that is very specific. Yep. But here's thirty other motherfuckers that yep. know the same thing that you do. You're like, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's like I belong to one of the Star Trek subreddits called the Daystrom Institute, mm-hmm. and I'm like, my people, I've come home. Exactly. Like these people are like the same kind of like Trek nerds that I am, mm-hmm. and it's like. Just completely and utterly, like, immersed in all the various minutiae of of everything track. It's just, it's like, it's... It, I'm it, getting goosebumps what I'm just thinking yeah, about. Yeah, it, really so cool. it really makes you feel like... Chewing. Nothing... We're home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nothing is unobtainable. Yes. You know? Yes. That's why, like... It, That's why I like doing this, because it feels like we're kind of dipping into that. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're, we're, like, bringing to light things that, you know, maybe you really hadn't thought of in a long time. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's like kind of like shining, turning the light on in the attic. 
in a manner yeah. of speaking. Yeah. Shell Silverstein. What the fuck is <laughs> But really, though, like, that's, that's why, like, I came up with the idea of doing this is because you don't really fucking shine a light on the things that you grew up with. You think about them time to time, you're like, yeah. oh, man, Doug was cool or shit yeah. like that. But who the fuck came up with Doug, you know? Like, yeah. Why Why does this thing exist? So many things, like, next week's episode will be Nintendo, part two. Part two. But then after that is Nerf, and it's like, Nerf has just always been a brand if you're of the age of our demographic. Age. Yeah, exactly. Right? But you don't think about, like, there was a period where Nerf didn't fucking yeah. exist. Yeah. You know? Like, like, Nerf has existed since before I was born. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, I've never known world without Nerf. Just like there are some people out there who've never known a world without the internet. Yeah. Which blows my fucking mind. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, There's, I grew up, we didn't have cell phones. There is, a, there is a generation now that never had to hear the dial-up sound. Yeah. You know? And that is just, that is fucking wild. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Fuck, dude. There's, there's a world now that has never lost internet connection because somebody picked up the mm-hmm. phone. Shout out to my lousy sister who was always trying to boot me off the internet by calling her obnoxious ass friends. Thanks, Meg. Shout out to Meg. Oh man. Shut, Shut up, up, Meg. Meg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Love it. Yes. So you know, quills in the muzzle. Yeah. It's never a good time. Not good. New. The animals then encounter a little girl named Molly. Molly Molly in a sweat. <laughs> uh, who is lost in the woods. Too loyal to ignore her, they stand guard over her and keep her warm during the night. No. In the morning, Shadow finds a rescue party and leads them back to the girl. They recognize the animals from the missing pets flyer and return them to the local animal shelter. But Chance mistakes it for a dog pound and the trio panics. Mm, understandable. Yeah. Oh, big time. As the medical staff remove the quills from Chance's muzzle... Sassy sneaks in and frees Shadow. Together, they retrieve Chance and escape the shelter, unaware that their owners were on their way to get them. Finally reaching their hometown, the animals cross through a train yard, where Shadow falls into a muddy pit and injures his leg. Demoralized, he tells Chance and Sassy to go on without him. Near dusk, Chance and Sassy finally make it home and are happily reunited with their owners. Shadow initially fails to appear, but eventually he limps into view and happy and happily comes running home at the sight of Peter. Oh, man. I know. This is just like mm-hmm. Yeah. You thought Sassy was bad, huh? Mm-hmm. Let's amp this up. Uh, like, get me get ready to get kicked in the dick. Yeah, basically. Chance narrates how it was Shadow's belief that brought them home, and how the years seemed to lift off of him, making him a puppy again as as he reunited with his boy. The film ends with Chance musing about how he truly feels at home with his family before happily running into the house at the smell of food. The film received positive reception. It holds a 87% aggregate critic approval rating at Rotten Tomatoes. That's solid. That's super solid. Yeah. Um, with a consensus stating, Disney's remake of The Incredible Journey successfully replicates and in some ways improves upon the simple charms of the original with its cross-country animal odyssey sure to delight kids. According to movie critic Roger Ebert, the movie is frankly designed for kids, and yet it has a certain craftsmanship and undeniable charm, and if you find yourself watching it with a child, you may end up liking it almost as much. 
Audiences polled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of an A plus on an A plus to F scale. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's fucking awesome. And what's funny is like if because that's what's another thing that's nice about the internet is like every article from newspapers. Oh yeah. Fucking doesn't matter how long ago are yeah. up on the internet. So like early reviews of this movie, two hardly compared it to Incredible Journey. Yeah. Which. Understandably, at the time, the people that were critics grew up watching Incredible Journey. Yeah. So, to them, this is like, what the fuck kind of bastardization is this? Why are the animals talking? Yeah. But Homeward Bound, as you know, because we're doing the fucking episode about it, grew to be its own completely different thing. It completely stepped out of the shadow of the original. Shadow. Ah. Ah. It made ten times what the original did, ranking in $42 million. Dang. Yeah. Three years later, the sequel Lost in San Francisco was released, and was also met with positive reactions. And overall, Homeward Bound made a huge impact on so many people's childhood. For, yeah, a, it's for a lot of good reasons, yeah. you know, because it has it has the, the risks, mm-hmm. it has, like, the tension and suspense, and yep. you're like, what the fuck? It pulls the heartstrings. Everybody Not once, likes but fucking, twice. Everybody likes animals, and yeah. if you don't, you're a fucking... Psychopath. Yeah, you're a serial killer. <laughs> I just that's just like every fucking true crime anything that you watch or yeah. listen to. Fucking when a little kid, Yeah, when a little kid does something to an animal, you're like Yeah. Ah. Okay. That guy's gonna grow up to kill things. Yep. Um and it's just a good story of like friendship and, and being stronger than you believe yourself to yeah. be. You know, like yeah. Because we all have those moments where you have to push yourself mm-hmm. into into getting through some hard shit. Absolutely. And you come out on the other end of it and like have the, the hindsight to be like, how the like, fuck did I make that through that? Yeah. Like when my fucking dad died, that yeah. that felt like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now that's four years ago and I'm like, how the fuck is that four years ago? Yeah. You know? It's insane, dude. Reborn by fire. Exactly. You know who else is reborn by fire? Ooh, tell me. Oh, it's Fatty. Yeah. In real life, Shadow, Chance, and Sassy were named Ben, Rattler, and Tiki, respectively. <laughs> In order to film the scenes in the most remote parts of the wilderness, the film crew packed all of their equipment on mules and horses and rode 15 miles into the Wallow Mountains. They camped there for three days while they got the shots Dude, they needed. that is dedication. Those fucking mules, though, they're like, the fuck is this heavy-ass shit? <laughs> <laughs> like, why aren't we in the movie? What the fuck? Yeah. Not only do you have to carry all this shit, you're not in the fucking movie. Yeah. In 1984, Sheila Burnford died of lung cancer. Oh. She had recently moved back to uh, to England to live with her second husband, Dr. J.D. Lowbrow. Which, she's just like, let me see how many doctors I can marry. Yeah, right? Uh, Sincat, who played Tao in Incredible Journey, was also the titular darn cat from Disney's That Darn Cat. Oh. Uh... There's a whole fucking website that tells you all of the things they did to humanely shoot oh, Homeward really? Bound. 
It's like a reverse Milo and Otis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they put a soft ball bearing that didn't hurt the dog that played Shadow, mm-hmm. but made him, like, walk weird. Like, oh, put a mitten on a cat. Okay. So that yeah, when, yeah. when they needed him to limp, yeah. it's just because he was walking weird, so it looked <laughs> like he was limping. Or, like, there's a part where they a, fl- a frog gets flung. Yeah. They just, like, threw a frog up three different times yeah. and just edited it so it looks like he was flung. <laughs> it's just, like, little shit like that. You're like... Yeah. Movie magic, ah, man. Exactly. Because there are kids' movies about animals where, like, fucking animals have fucking died, you know? Thrown off cliffs. And yeah. Shit. You're like, ooh, shit. Like... They kept, for the part where she falls over the waterfall, mm-hmm. they were throwing her up, mm-hmm. and then they used a fake cat to go over. Yeah, but they were like, it's it's documented in there that the cat seemed to enjoy it and was purring and really this <laughs> is <laughs> just having fun being thrown up. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, okay, that's fucking cute. And with that, we come to the end of another incredible journey. Oh. If you, like, journey it was. if you like what you heard and learned, consider doing the following. Follow us on all social medias. We're at Toys R Us Podcast across the board. You can leave us a five-star rating and review anywhere you can, especially Stitcher and Apple Podcast. Oh, yeah. They're the big guns. They are. They're the big dogs. Big dogs. Or you can support us by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Toys R Us Podcast. Until next time. Remember, getting porcupine in the face would be a fucking nightmare. It really would be. Just imagine, dude. Ugh. It's like a saw trap. It's just porcupine quills. (laughs) It's like a bear trap with porcupine Uh, quills. Yeah, it's that reverse bear trap from Saw, but it's porcupine (laughs) quills. Fuck. And remember, you will always be a Toys R Us kid. I'd like to take the time out to thank our patrons. We couldn't do this without you. So, thank you to... Jeremy, Jessica, Nicole, Amy, Nicole, Nicole, Juanita, Sabrina, Shannon, and Steven. Thanks a bunch, guys. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Older than the trees Younger than the mountains Growing like a breeze Country roads Take me home Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey West Virginia